You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly and uh, unfortunately this week uh, I'm joined by a, a bit of an under the weather Doug Moore and Hopefully uh, the other guy I'm being joined by right now is uh, in a bit better form. It's Anthony Amico. You may have heard him on uh, the Rotovas uh, podcast network over there. He does co-host the RV Repo with them. He's involved with two QBs. Uh, Rotovas, as I mentioned, number fire, fantasy insiders, and also part of the team there at Draft Day Consultants as well, which is a fantastic service and something that I know a lot of people will be getting uh, clued into a little bit more as we head past this season and head and start looking ahead towards next season. But uh, obviously... We're just heading out off the the Christmas holidays and uh, hopefully this show (laughs) records in its entirety nice and simply because I've uh, updated all the software on this new laptop I've got and sometimes uh, you get gremlins in the system but all the tests seem to have gone perfectly fine and uh, with all that uh, talked through, Doug, obviously your voice isn't going to be 100% today, how did you get over the Christmas period? Uh, I I did pretty well uh, for the most part. I took the cold. Huh? I took the flu. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean I I didn't get the flu until the tail end uh, of the, the holiday. But um, you know it was good. I, I got a good haul in this year, and uh, it was good to get away. I, I guess you came out the the victor though with a new laptop. Yeah, I was pretty surprised to, to get that there on board, but uh, you know, uh, my old one was definitely in need of an upgrade. It was starting to, to really fall apart, so uh, all those things I uh, greatly appreciated on my end. Uh, Anthony, um, obviously this week as well uh, coincided with the end of the Fantasy Championships. Uh, a lot of people starting to scoop up their uh, titles and a lot of people giving bragging rights on Twitter and so on and so forth. This year was not to be my year in Fantasy uh, season-long-wise, but... Uh, did you come away with any titles uh, at the end of it all? Uh, yeah, I won my, my home dynasty league, so that's nice. always fun. You know, yeah. I get the, the home bragging rights. I won an MFL 10, but kind of similar to you, for the most part. It was a bit of a down year. Yeah, I think pretty much everyone that I've talked to over the last couple of weeks on the podcast have had uh, down years, and you talked about winning your home league. Well, my home league, uh, I'm coming away with the, the 101 uh, pick in Dynasty this year, so maybe <laughs> maybe that'll help me uh, heading into next year. A lot, a lot of injuries, and as we'll talk later in the show, today's show is going to be more kind of end-of-season award show focused rather than previewing Week 17. I know there's DFS players out there, but this, uh, this will be more kind of looking more so towards next season, a bit of a Dynasty slant on it as well. So uh, towards the end of the show, uh, some of the, the awards uh, you know that we give out may kind of show where my teams went. This past season, I ended up with uh, a couple of thirds uh, throughout my leagues and won one, M- one MFL 10, but nothing to really get all that excited about. But as we get into uh, talking about the NFL news, we're going to start off with picking one key point from the Week 16 slate, and I like to let the guests go first. So, Anthony, uh, if you could pick uh, one key point from last week's games um, what would it be to, to take away from week 16 i just thought that this whole like coverage gate thing with uh like the vikings and jordy nelson i thought yeah. was really interesting how like they basically just ignored uh coach zimmer for you know i mean it's like debated whether or not it was like a few plays or a few series or a half like how long they they decided to let terrence newman cover uh jordy nelson but I think that it's been like a little bit overblown on Twitter. Like people kind of make that out to like 
the only reason that Nelson played well, but I mean, like Nelson's just been crushing for the last like month or two. Um, you know, Randall Cobb was out last week. So there was a ton of opportunity for Nelson to play in the slot. He probably wasn't going to see Xavier Rhodes on like a ton of snaps anyway, as a result of being in there. So I just think that like, if you played Jordy last week, like don't feel like you got super lucky. Like that was, that was just a straight up sharp play. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't think it's getting like the credit it deserves. I agree with you, and I think it was blown all out of proportion. I think it turned out to be maybe on two series rather than, you know, it came out first that it was the whole second half. So I think that was blown out of proportion. And what you said about Jordy Nelson over the over the last six weeks, he has been uh, absolutely incredible, him and Rodgers. And I know we're all starting to look at Rodgers as a possible MVP candidate, but a lot of that there is also down to the fact that Jordy Nelson looks to be kind of back to where he was uh, pre-knee uh, injury. So definitely uh, has had a very, very solid run to end the season. Doug, is your voice up to uh, picking a, a talking point? Yeah, I mean, just to point out something with what Anthony said, I was doing a little bit of research looking at some some sleepers this week, and um, the Vikings have actually given up uh, the second most points over the past three weeks to or three games to quarterbacks. Seven touchdowns, no interceptions. A lot of it can be pinned on what happened last week, but you know, just showing that you know a little bit of a, a breakdown, I guess you could say, or a little bit less of a shine on this armor that they have at that defense. But um, for me, I'm going to talk about a real NFL issue, and that's obviously the two major quarterback injuries that we saw this past weekend um, and how crazy that, um, you know, obviously we had Marcus Mariota went down with a horrible leg injury. I think he had the worst of the two between him and Derek Carr. Sounds like he'll need a plate in his leg, broke his leg, four to five months recovery at least. And then obviously Derek Carr as well. And now you look at it, you look at the AFC, and they have three backup quarterbacks from what it looks like to be in in the playoffs with Matt McGloin, with uh, Tom Savage, and with Matt Moore. So it, it's just crazy to see that this is the case now where Alex Smith is a top three quarterback in the, in the <laughs> AFC when it comes time for the playoffs. So it, it sucks, obviously, and, and those who had the, both those quarterbacks um, obviously in their lineups for, for Week 16 might have gotten hurt a little bit uh, just because, you know, those were two of the top fantasy quarterbacks in, in fantasy football this season and uh, how quickly you can lose money just like that. So it sucks on, a, on an NFL level for, obviously, the Oakland Raiders fans who are, you know, or might even still win the one seed this weekend, but still, you know, just crazy how things turn out like that. Yeah, and um, you know, you're talking about um, Zimmer's defense as well for the Vikings. When the season started five and zero, we were all talking about as if the Vikings were going to steamroll their way straight uh, through to the Super Bowl. So things can turn around uh, very quickly in the NFL, and it has been interesting to see how their season has turned out in the end. Doug obviously was at uh, the Patriots versus the the New York Jets and Foxborough this uh, past week as well. So I know Doug at the Earlier in the season, when Brady was out, you went and uh, you seen the Bills shut out the Patriots at home, which was uh, obviously not a good result for Patriots fans. But they've been on quite the roll recently and pretty much steamrolled straight over the Jets this past week. And uh, Doug mentioned, you know, some of the stuff from an NFL point of view. Uh, I meant to mention this at the start of the show. Over the next kind of four to five weeks after this week, we'll be looking at everything more so from an NFL perspective, uh, looking ahead towards the playoffs. And me and Doug will be on that and joined by some great guests to uh, to preview those games as we head towards the playoffs. Then we'll start to look back again uh, dynasty-wise after the Super Bowl and start to talk through things ahead of the 2017 season. Uh, obviously, Doug mentioned Marcus Mariota there, uh, had a broken ankle and fibula, and he had a, underwent surgery on Wednesday, the operation 
uh, performed by Robert Anderson and it's going to be as Doug mentioned kind of a, a four to six month uh, timetable for return I know I was very high on Mariota heading into the season on him in a lot of dynasty leagues so obviously uh, breaking his leg this late in the season you're starting to look ahead to see what his kind of availability is going to be towards training camp next year and obviously uh, you know a young quarterback those reps are very very valuable uh, in the preseason but we'll see how he, he recovers and the other one was Derek Carr obviously means much more as they are um, that second seed at the moment in the playoffs he broke his fibula he's going to be out for six to eight weeks and you know there is talk of possibly him coming back if they made it to the Super Bowl I think making it to the Super Bowl is uh, highly unlikely but also him making it back is even more unlikely so very very tough for them Matt McGloin will be their uh, quarterback in his presence but it, it wasn't just quarterbacks last week uh, Tyler Lockett as well broke his leg and for the way the injury looked it seems to be the reports coming out are much more positive he broke his fibula and his tibia on Saturday against the Cardinals uh, but he avoided ligament damage so he's expected to be back ready in time for training camp he did undergo surgery this past week but looked to be pretty pretty nasty injury and he's somebody I also own a lot in dynasty leagues and while he didn't have a great season he was coming on and getting a lot more targets down the stretch so hopefully a speedy recovery for him as well uh, out of those three guys um, is there many of them that uh, in dynasty leagues that you have a high exposure to Anthony and um, you know just long term for the two quarterbacks uh, how do you see their outlook obviously the leg injuries shouldn't really affect them long term we should see them get back pretty much to uh, 100% for next season yeah I'm not too worried about the any of these injuries honestly I mean I think that broken legs are things that are pretty tough to deal with once they heal they tend to just heal all the way through it's not like these injuries with like Sammy Watkins and Devontae Parker with like their feet where they end up having to like put more screws in and stuff like that. So uh, I have a bunch of Mariota and Lockett in Dynasty. I'm, I'm still holding on to them. I'm, I still have high expectations. So I'm, I'm kind of just staying the course and hoping that they make full recoveries. Yeah, the, the next two parts in news kind of tied together. It's uh, Bill's coach Rex Ryan. Him and his assistant and also his brother, obviously Rob Ryan, were let go by the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Rex was kind of a lock to be fired after the season. Uh, it's become more and more common over the last couple of years to have uh, end-season moves. We've seen it already with the Rams and the Jaguars kind of trying to get that move ahead on the coaching search uh, to try and get the best candidates involved. But obviously he's not going to be part of that this year. We'll wonder if we'll see him again as a head coach in the NFL. I'd say there's more chance we see him as a defensive coordinator moving forward. But the other part of the news was... You know, and I we talked about. I think it was last week. Me and Doug talked about it on the show, and it was that Tyrod Taylor isn't going to be starting this week for Week Seventeen. There was kind of rumblings coming out the last two weeks uh, of the possibility of him not being with the Bills next year, and it's it's really become a, a very strange situation. He's not going to be starting Week Seventeen against the Jets. EJ Manuel gets to start. He's also a free agent after the season, so he's going to get to play. And it's it's purely a business decision. Uh, Tyrod, if he got injured this week, will be owed thirty point seven five million. Uh, you know, as an injury bonus as part of that. Con- contract and you know as it stands they're likely to release him now heading into the offseason then it's come out today that Tyrod Taylor may need a hernia operation and that their uh, 30.75 million that I mentioned it comes down to if he can pass a physical at the start of training camp so a hernia operation depending on how delayed it would be could also make that very very interesting for the Buffalo Bills but uh, I'm going to let Anthony uh, answer this here first have you been surprised at this story as it's kind of come out over the last two weeks the rumblings have come out and then with Tyrod Taylor obviously 
I don't think he's a you know a top ten quarterback or top twelve quarterback in NFL terms, but I think there's definitely ability there. I think at, at worst he's a, a bridge quarterback for the Buffalo Bills who have had a real issue at the quarterback position kind of over the last uh, fifteen or twenty years, and I, I think it's quite bizarre. I think that there's no doubt that uh, there'll be plenty of suitors in the off season uh, looking to sign Tyrod if, if the Bills do let him go, and they could handle this a lot better, and you know possibly even look to see if there was a trade market there for it because it kind of can be made into a team friendly deal. Uh, if somebody was interested it's just a, a strange situation i find yeah i mean i i don't think i'm that surprised i think that you know being out of the playoffs this is kind of like a no-brainer move for them to at least you know protect themselves against injury and having to pay the 30 plus million uh I, but i think i'd probably let him go if if i was buffalo i i love tyrod taylor like i love watching him play but they got him for nothing off the streets you know baltimore let him walk no they signed him for very little uh, and the market for mobile quarterbacks hasn't really improved since then. So I feel like it doesn't make a ton of sense to pay, you know, what would be top dollar for someone that you can replace for like a fraction of that cost on the open market, maybe even the trade market. Uh, and I think that like NFL teams pretty frequently make this mistake of like locking themselves into someone once they, I mean, really a quarterback, once they see that these guys have like a pulse, they're like really willing to lock them into these term deals. Uh, and I just don't think it's, I don't think it's the best way to build a team. I think you really want to aspire to get one of those top-end talents at quarterback or at least someone that you think is definitely a weekly difference maker. I don't really know if Tyrod's there yet. Uh, So I'm pretty cool with them them letting him walk. Uh, But I do think that they're maybe making mistakes starting manual. Like, I think you draft Cardell Jones uh, this year. Yeah, you got to see what he's got. I mean, I'm I'm really surprised that they're not trying to get a look at him before the offseason starts. Yeah, and, you know, obviously, even if they had plans to maybe keep A.J. Manuel, if he does have, uh, you know, anyway, if a decent game is contract, expectations are obviously going to rise. But, uh, you know, after taking him in the draft uh, quite high up a few years ago, it, it just hasn't worked out for him either. It's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, you mentioned their uh, wild quarterbacks, but I think there's a possibility that with the way these contracts have been structured for certain quarterbacks over the last kind of three or four years, we've seen it with, Tannehill's contract or even Kaepernick's in a similar situation this year where he's declined his option with the the 49ers we're seeing kind of more team friendly deals where they can cut out of them after a couple of years with uh, Andy Dalton as well in a similar situation I think that could be something we see more that teams uh, you know sign these kind of more team friendly deals and move on from the quarterback and we'll see we'll see what the Texans do maybe they wish they'd assign something a little bit less for Brock Osweiler moving on to the next topic and that is with the Baltimore Ravens Steve Smith uh, heading into week 17 it's looking like this could be his last year in the NFL it's looked that way for quite some time but last year up until this injury we thought last year was going to be the end of it but at the moment uh, he ranks seventh all time in receiving yards he's uh, almost up at the 15,000 yard mark 14,697 for him but he uh, talked earlier in the week and it looks like Sunday is going to possibly be his last game but uh, whether it is or not um, I actually picked him up I tweeted this out today I seen somebody cut him in one of my dynasty leagues uh, for a waiver wire pickup I can't remember who he picked up but I just took him as a stash to see what happens because this time of year sometimes we see players change their mind but Steve Smith obviously has had a phenomenal career do you think uh, this is definitely his last game this week or do you think you know uh, he's somebody who if you do see lying about after this week is worth a pickup and a stash just to see how that shakes out I mean I definitely think that this is probably his last game just based off like the coach comments and some of the stuff you heard in the media but like I totally think that he's worth a pickup like I mean he has value like if he plays next year if all of a sudden he's like no like I'm totally in the range of outcomes for a guy like Steve Smith who's like a total gamer 
uh, you know, you pick up a little a little value for free because he's been startable a few times this year, and you know, I think he would probably be again if he were to play next year. Yeah, it's been super solid, uh, pretty much all season for the Ravens coming back off that injury. And, uh, you know, whether it is his last game or not, he's been a, a tremendous pro in the NFL. He's somebody I love to watch just for the physicality of how he plays, uh, you know, a little bit undersized. But uh, don't let him hear me saying that there. Uh, he definitely doesn't like to, to take the undersized label. Moving on to the next one, that's something that, you know, when I sent over the topics for the show, uh, all the news hadn't come out, but it's Doug Martin. And uh, he's obviously got now a four-game ban uh, for PED use. So his Adderall. Uh, he's stepping away from the team. He's entering a rehab facility. But prior to that there, I was uh, writing this question about what to do with him in a dynasty perspective. But obviously, it's uh, more shaken up in the air after this one. But he's obviously uh, had a drop in value over the last couple of weeks, had a, a multi-week injury earlier in the season. He's come back from that. But he's uh, he was a healthy scratch last week, and now um, this week he's not going to play, obviously, with that ban. It's um, an interesting one to try and figure out because... I believe the, uh, there's also a possibility with that there drugs violation uh, that the Buccaneers could cut him this offseason and avoid a, a $7 million um, contract uh, for 2017. Uh, what's your opinion on Doug Martin, obviously now after this news has come out, it's obviously shaken up probably your perspective from the start of the week, but he's somebody who I thought was on uh, quite shaky ground even before this news. Yeah, the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks can get Adam Martin with, at no cost. I mean, after this year, they don't owe him any guaranteed money. So I almost, I almost feel like that's likely at this point when you think he's going to miss the first three games next season. Yeah. Uh, you know, he hasn't really performed at all uh, this year. They've been preferring guys like Jacquez Rogers and Charles Sims over him when everyone's been healthy. So uh, I think that there's a, a pretty good chance that he's gone uh, in terms of like dynasty. I think he could be a sneaky buy, like if someone's like just fed up with Doug Martin and willing to get rid of him for like a third round rookie pick or something. Uh, that's probably something I'd do, but otherwise, I'm I'm probably just avoiding. Uh, yeah. You know, the situation seems kind of toxic. Yeah, his price was really high this uh, off season. Uh, la- or last offseason I actually tried to acquire him in a couple of leagues and just wasn't something that I was able to do at the price was being asked for him so it's uh, a big big drop down in him and I think I might have dodged a bullet with that one uh, a couple of bits of uh, news topics to run through just now and that is Carlos Hyde tore his MCL in week 16 won't require surgery um, he's going to be 12 yards off a thousand yards for the season I think if you look at how the 49ers done this season and how limited uh, you know with the game size that he played this year I think he done a, a pretty nice job and you know if they can improve that team a little bit for next season and uh, maybe some work on that offensive line I'm, I'm very interested in seeing what Carlos Hyde can do in 2017 uh, the Bengals also sent Tyler Eifert uh, to the injured reserve on Monday just going to miss this last game it's a back injury on the season, he caught 29 passes for 394 yards and five touchdowns. He only played in eight games. And that there kind of really all started from the Pro Bowl last season. And then he had that back injury uh, as he tried to come back. So hopefully he can be fit and healthy for next season. And uh, hey, the Browns got a win. Uh, celebrations out there for the Browns fans. And luckily for them, the 49ers also picked up a win last week. So it helps them keep that number one overall pick. But uh Pretty uh, pretty good for Browns fans out there not going 0-16. I don't think any of them wanted that there. But uh, going in now to kind of, we're looking back on the season, some uh, awards that we're going to hand out here. And uh, we're going to start off with the, the fantasy flop of the year. And uh, I'm going to let, uh, since Doug has uh, stayed quiet, we're trying to save his vocal cords uh, for the award section of the show. I'm going to let Doug go first with uh, his, his flop off the year. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a couple when you look at this. Um, you know, there were a couple. Yeah, I'm going to probably point to running backs here. Um, you know, there's a couple of running backs that obviously, you know, were, were drafted, you know, in the first or second round that really never lived up to uh, to expectations. Um, I'm going to probably say just because of how he did or it, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm going to say uh, Jamal Charles. Uh, just because he was a guy that a lot of people, myself included, bought into him as maybe a late first round pick. And then obviously he had the, um, I think he re-injured his knee, or he never got over his knee injury, yeah. required a second surgery, and then Spencer Ware just really took the job over. Um, you know, Jamal Charles is, is almost certainly played his last game in Kansas City, you know, considering that the team can save, I believe it's 7 or $8 million cutting him this offseason. Um and considering his age and his injury history, uh, it, it's a sad way to go. He's one of the best running backs when healthy, I think, uh, if that's still the case. But he was definitely. Um, but, yeah, he was a guy who a lot of people bought into as elite first rounder in 12-team leagues, especially PPR leagues. And um, he just obviously wasn't on the field at all. So I, I'm going to probably say Jamal Charles. Yeah, I think pretty much for not being on the field, um, I think you can definitely be agreed with on that. Mine's just kind of a similar situation. and. Listeners to the podcast will know from the off-season, from last season, uh, I'm a big Keenan Allen fan, and obviously Allen went down in week one uh, off the season, and that really put, you know, I had a lot of second-round picks, some even late-round, you know, pick 11, pick 12, I went with Keenan Allen over some players, and obviously that didn't work out for me this season, so uh, I'm just going to go from uh, my perspective of how my team's done. I think, uh, you know, if I had uh, picked a player before him or after him that they went in that draft order, my teams and my season would have looked a, a lot differently, but... Uh, no doubt about it for me, I'll still be back on the, the Keaton Allen bandwagon uh, this time as we head into the season, so no doubt about that, but he's my uh, flop of the year, unfortunately, and uh, Anthony, uh, who, who's your selection? Uh, mine's Alan Robinson, and I can live with a guy, like when he fails due to injury, like Keenan Allen, Jamal Charles, like those guys being hurt, at least like the band-aid is just like ripped off and, and it's over, uh, but like for Robinson, wasn't injured, like you pretty much had to play him every single week, hoping for him to improve and that's like someone like hot glues the band-aid like to your body and it's just like ripping it off like incredibly slowly like it's just so painful every week with, with robinson this year you know i do expect him to be better next year but he was really tough to, to have and he was a first round pick so he was something that, he was a guy that was a huge flop for me yeah he he's somebody as well for me i that league i said that i have the the number one overall pick in next year <laughs> he i took him at the overall in that one so uh, and then Keenan Allen was my second round pick in that one, so you can see how that one turned out. And obviously, it was a, a tough season all round for uh, a Rob owners, and um, you know he's going to make an appearance uh, for me here uh, in a few in a few picks time. Uh, I'm just going to throw in a category, and it's it was meant to be part of the news, and I, I see it down here at the bottom of my page, and uh, it's an award, uh, Doug's happiest uh, prediction of the year award, I think it's going to be called, and it's uh, that Matt Jones is going to be a healthy scratch. Uh, for eight weeks in a row he's going to be out this week again so i'm sure doug that brought you some uh, festive cheer this week the next one then's also uh going to be named after doug and it's I mean, doug's uh, he's going to yeah. go doug, I'll, I'll let you have the floor there <laughs> well i mean there's a lot of people i like to thank here um you know this award is is something that i always cherish even though it's only in its first year um you know Matt Jones, I have to thank him. You know, he showed everybody that, you know, he played like, you know, his talent level, which is uh, putrid. 
Um, so I, I have to thank him, obviously, you know, without him, you know, I, I'd still, you know, be making fun of him or just giving this award to Kobe Fleener. But, um, yeah, I mean, Matt Jones, he sucks. <laughs> and that's the end of that one. Uh, post-hype breakout player of the year, maybe somebody who we didn't think, uh, you know, we thought two years ago he was going to be a fantastic player, maybe last season, and just didn't happen. And then he's uh, obviously break, broke out this year. Mine's going to be uh, Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers because I know, kind of, say, 18 months ago, we all thought that uh, Devontae Adams was going to have a huge breakout year, particularly then when Jordy Nelson also went down with that injury. But uh, last year, his season numbers finished with 50 catches for 483 yards and one touchdown which was obviously a huge uh, disappointment of a season but then we look at what he's done this year so far through 15 games 69 receptions 966 yards and I think the key if at all at the very end is 10 touchdowns on the season I think uh, pretty much I'm not going to say the whole community but a lot of the fantasy football community on Twitter and that had you know Devontae Adams down as kind of a a punching bag at the start of uh, this draft season and you know even at the start of this uh, particular season so I think he's my uh, you know kind of post-hype breakout player of the year Um, I'm going to let you go next Anthony with uh, your selection yeah I mean I I definitely think that Adams is the best choice Uh, but in the interest of being different uh, I went with Travis Kelsey a uh, huge 2014 stretch. I think we all kind of expected him to take that next step last season. Uh, but he only saw 103 targets, 875 yards, five touchdowns, which wasn't terrible, but it wasn't really that true breakout. Uh, this year, the targets have jumped to 115. He still has a game left to play, uh, and he already has over 1,100 yards. So I think, uh, you know, in terms of dynasty, he's def- definitely taking that ne- next step. I think he's probably like a top two dynasty tight end right now. Yeah, I agree with you there as well. I, I definitely was on him heading into last season. I remember even last season, uh, first week of the season, they played the Houston Texans, and he had uh, two touchdowns and 100 and something yards in that game, and I thought, oh yeah, this is going to be a good season, and uh, it didn't it didn't continue that way for him. But this year, particularly the last kind of six weeks, he's uh, really been dominant, and uh, I think it's very hard. If you don't have him in your top two tight ends in Dynasty at the moment, I think it's very hard to have him outside of the, the top three anyway. Uh, Doug, who have you got there? Yeah, I'm going to go with a guy that did pretty well last year in his, his rookie season, but there were a couple things to be down on him about going into uh, this season. That's Stefan Diggs. There's a couple things to keep in mind. Obviously, he lost his quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. They brought in Sam Bradford, which is a huge downgrade, no matter what way you put it. Um, and then the other thing is they also spent the first-round pick on Laquan Treadwell, who I'm still a big fan of. Everybody expected him to take more of a 1A role and Diggs be a 1B role, and this was supposed to be a more run-heavy team, you know, with Adrian Peterson there, um, you know, maybe Jarek McKinnon, and uh, they, they flipped the script, really. They became a, a, a the worst run team in, in football, basically, and then just a horrible passing team as well. But Stefan Diggs has still, uh, you know, for the for a good part of the season, produced, uh, you know, like a wide receiver too, uh, maybe top 25, top 20 wide receiver. So I'm going to pick him. Uh, again, he didn't necessarily do bad last season, but again, I think the expectations were a lot more down on him considering the outside factors. And obviously we've uh, mentioned Matt Jones as well, and Doug actually wanted to call this the, the Matt Jones Award, but Doug's overhyped player uh, who failed to produce award maybe is actually going to give this to uh, Matt Jones. Mine's just going to be Kelvin Benjamin because... Uh, going into the season there was a lot of people started to get quite high on him coming back off that injury kind of started to pump him up 
those rankings again and he wasn't somebody that I was interested in at any point in the off season but I mentioned this on, a, on the show a few weeks ago after two weeks of the season I really thought I'd got it wrong because he came out week one and week two and was really dominant looking but I suppose the, the Panthers offense as a whole has really struggled the passing game in particular outside of Olsen this year um, has, has been very mediocre and um, I'm going to give uh, that there to Kelvin Benjamin as somebody who started to really get that uh, pre-season hype but uh, didn't live up to it this year Doug Who's uh, who's going there for you as a as an overhyped player who failed to produce? Oof, I mean, this is this is a tough decision. There's there's I'm going to name them both. Uh, one obviously is Matt Jones. He was a player that I compared a lot to Monte Ball, and not necessarily because of their playing styles, but just because of how they were they were hyped. I think it was 2014. Uh, I think it was No. Sean Marino had I, I think he had an injury and he had been cut from the team. And Monty Ball was this hyped guy. He did really well in a couple of games. And everybody's like, oh, he's going to be awesome. And some people even picked him in the first round of some leagues. Um, and then, you know, obviously he didn't do anything. Um, and I think that's when Ronnie Hillman actually came on the scene, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I, I that's why I used Matt Jones. He was a guy that people were looking at as a running back to, you know, in this offense where Alfred Morris succeeded. But then, you know, you look at the obvious things such as he had five fumbles and less than 200 carries and he sucks as a, a running back and, and stuff like that. Um, but the other guy I'm going to mention here, I mentioned him earlier, is that's Kobe Fleener. He's a guy that everybody bought into because the you know the Saints paid a lot of money to him. Benjamin Watson was coming out of a great season with them, and obviously in, in arguably the best passing offense in the league. But when you looked at the season, now granted, I had someone point this out to me. I think as of last weekend, he was the number uh, number thirteen tight end, which is just outside of tight end one range in twelve team leagues. But when you look at it, he was a guy that did nothing outside of maybe two or three games this season where he had like two touchdowns in one game, 100-and-something yards. I think he was actually the fourth-string tight end at one point for the Saints during the season. Um, he was a guy that people were thinking, oh, he's going to be a top five, top eight, and then I never bought it. He's a guy that really never came off as a good player, and there's too many mouths to feed, and we saw that at times this season where Brandon Cooks would – you know, go off for one week and then not next week. And then Willie Steen not doing much. And outside of Michael Thomas, there was no consistent guy in New Orleans. And that's who I thought, you know, Kobe Fleener was going to be as a guy that's way overhyped that people are going to buy on what, he, you know, if you're buying on his ceiling, there's not going to be a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of area for you to actually gain any, you know, bargain off of it. And that was the problem. People thought of him as a top five, top six sort of tight end in some areas. And uh, that that wasn't the case, obviously, and uh, so that that's the other guy I would I would give a, a big mention to in this scenario. Uh, Anthony, have you another name out of those three guys? Yeah, I'm going with Thomas Rawls. Uh, he was yeah, kind of like true. a Twitter darling. I feel like after that stretch of games last year where he he crushed uh, with Marshawn Lynch out, and I think people were really being like the yards per carry, which is a statistic that I don't really think is that stable. I think it's pretty proven to be unstable. Uh, and they ignored the fact that the team brought in a bunch of young talent and that for the majority of the offseason, Rawls was injured. Uh, you know, sure enough, Rawls got hurt multiple times this season. He's had just one game over 100 yards, but this is a guy that was taken around the fourth round, I, I would say, in most leagues. So uh, just a huge bust, I think, with a, with a lot of hype behind him. Yeah, pretty much uh, I agree with there. And obviously the offensive line is pretty much abysmal in, in Seattle this year, but uh, I agree with you, and obviously... Kind of similar with the um, 
the injury situation that we talked about with uh, Keenan Allen earlier and uh, Jamal Charles, obviously the injury lingered on a lot longer than we expected. And it's probably another reason. I, I know we don't really know the full details of uh, Mario and Carr's injuries, but sometimes uh, when we see these injuries, we expect them to just uh, you know come straight back. And sometimes there is complications with these injuries that take uh, longer to produce as they work back uh, into football shape. The next award, and it was suggested on Twitter from Neil Dutton, and it was uh, the Todd Gurley Award, and it's for the highest performer in 2016 who's going to stink in 2017. They actually thought about renaming this award when Doug was talking about Monte Ball. <laughs> uh, we could have went for him as well. <laughs> but uh, is there anyone, I'll let you go first this time, Anthony, that you think that you know maybe is not even uh, you know a top 10 player at their position, but somebody who is starting to maybe even in the second half of the season, gather some pace and you know people might be expecting them to have a, a big year next year that are probably just going to be disappointed in? Yeah, I spent some time thinking about this one. I, I actually decided to just go with the entire running back position. Uh, I think I that... Actually, my, my list, and I'm not, I'll let you go first, I have three running backs down on it. <laughs> no, I think that that's perfect because I, I think that running backs are going to be the flavor of the year next year. Uh, you know, 2016, obviously, we saw like those, those big three backs, Bell, DJ... And Zeke all stayed healthy, all crushed uh, for the most part of the season. Uh, Johnson obviously had the biggest year of all of them. Uh, but 2016 really was predicated on good fortune for a lot of players. If you look at things like historical injury rates uh, and severity of those injuries, uh, Josh Armsmeyer, Rotoviz has done a lot of work on stuff like that. And 2016 was really like a top 5% outcome in terms of injuries uh, for the running back position. You look at the guys also in the second round, like Shady. Uh, Devontae Freeman so I think if you factor in you know more injuries and just like some more natural busts in terms of the guys who don't produce as well like I think that you know running back is destined to take a step back as a whole next year yeah I agree with you there and the ones I've done is somebody I'm not a fan of is Jeremy Hill obviously he's got an extra workload uh, with the geo injury and it still hasn't worked out for him and I always think that he's highly touchdown dependent and if you are touchdown dependent and you're getting those touchdowns that's uh, obviously fantastic but I think Jeremy Hill is starting to, to probably prove what he really is uh, in the NFL. Latavius Murray is the other one, and you've seen over the last couple of weeks that his workload has started to dip off. Um, you know, he was kind of very volume dependent. I think he's somebody that people mightn't. Uh, I think most people who are watching the games will kind of know that it's probably not repeatable next year what he's done. But that offensive line has been very, very good, and I think a lot of people probably still underrate how good it is. And obviously, with Carr's injury last week, that was the first time in the whole game that he actually got a, a hit in the game that injury that was caused to him so they've been really helping the run game helping keep uh, the quarterback safe so far this season the other one's like blunt obviously doug will probably have more on this here but he is uh, i think he has 15 touchdowns on the season and as i mentioned with touchdown dependent running backs uh, when you are punching them into the end zone uh, that is fantastic but uh, that there i think is hard to uh, predict and 15 touchdowns isn't something that is really repeatable year on year so i think blunt's another one but i don't think with his age and with the way People treat Patriots running backs. I don't think he's going to be highly drafted, but I think you could see Latavius Murray sneak into some people's, you know, third, second, or third rounds, and I think that's definitely uh, bust material there. Doug, have you anyone to add to that? Well, first, I'll, I'll talk about the Legarrette Blunt. Um, I think he actually has seventeen touchdowns. Seven, uh, fifteen Russian, maybe is it? Uh maybe maybe, maybe you're a seventeen right. Russian. I don't know. It's a crazy amount of Russian he, touchdowns. He leads the it. I mean, he leads the NFL, and I think I was looking at these, uh, looking at this the other. Maybe I'm mistaken. He's one of the running backs that has the highest uh, percentage of his points coming from touchdowns, yeah. which is a hard thing to, to look at because 
you know, he's got, you know, this crazy amount of touchdowns. He has a career high in rushing yards and stuff like that. A lot of things can be contributed to this. One, the team has a more focused effort on establishing the run game. Two, they have a much better offensive line this year. And it's really helped in, in, in stability for this offense. But, you know, looking at what you said, there's a couple things to keep in mind. One, he's going to be over 30 years old when the season hits next year. He's going to be a free agent after this season. And the other thing is, is Deion Lewis has seen an uptick in carries this uh, these past few weeks, and he's under contract until the end of next season. So along with that in the running back class that we have uh, coming in, I think it's possible that the Patriots could, you know, possibly – you know, re-sign, you know, LeGarrette Blunt. Again, he could be a two-down thumper for them. But I think he's not going to be in as much of a role. He still is, like, top five in carries this season. And uh, I don't I don't think that's going to be anywhere sustainable for next season. I think there's going to be some fresh blood brought in. I think Deion Lewis having a healthy offseason hopefully will also, you know, uh, you know, help his case and, and hurt Blunt also. Um, you know, but you, you guys were talking about some guys, and, and I'm going to throw out a controversial one just because – um, yeah, I'm not sure what you, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that I think one Mike Clay doesn't like one, anybody in this world. Uh, and that's Jordan Howard. Uh, Jordan Howard has been a beast the second half of the season for the bears. Um, but there's a couple things I have to think about here. One, I, I think that they're going to focus more on the, on the pass game going into this off season. You're going to have, you know, I don't think you're going to have all Sean Jeffrey there, uh, necessarily, but you're going to have Kevin White, hopefully. You're going to have Cameron Meredith, who's going to have another offseason. And, you know, this offensive line has seen some injuries at time. They have some good players on that line. Hopefully they come back healthy. But it wouldn't surprise me, considering the depth that they have at the position, that they go and draft somebody in this upcoming draft. It could be somewhere in the range of what Jordan Howard has picked in the third day. Um, but I, I think there's a guy who I don't think he, you know, can up the type of production that he has despite the offensive woes that the Chicago has and especially if they bring someone in who could be a more suitable backup who might be a little more efficient on third down We're not saying that how it isn't but you know someone who can who can do a little bit more of what say Matt Forte did than what Jordan Howard does yeah I think that's pretty fair when I was looking through the the kind of top scores of the running back position this year I thought he could fit into that kind of you know we talked about somebody who came on late in the season we've seen it before with Jeremy Hill We've uh, seen it, you know, you mentioned with Malte Ball. I think he's somebody who could get into that position who starts to get hyped towards the end of the season. But I have, watching him play, I really like what I, I see from Jordan Howard this season. But, uh, you know, uh, we could see what shakes out, and it's uh, good to have a, a bold call in there. Um, next one up is the Fantasy Comeback Player of the Year. Mine is going to be Jordy Nelson, and I'm going to give an honourable mention to Jimmy Graham because uh, this time last year I thought there was pretty much zero chance that uh, Jimmy Graham was going to make it back on the field rather than make a you know a solid uh, contribution and the first uh, half of the season he was really really solid at the tight end position tailed off a little bit uh, over the last kind of few weeks but Jordy Nelson uh, just looking up the stats here in front of him from his you know overall career years um, the most touchdowns he's ever had in a season is 15 he's on 14 at the minute so if he gets one more he would break that he has 500 yard receiving games five in a season is his best he's done that twice previously so this is the third year doing that and then if you look at his receptions the most he's ever had in a season is 98 he is at 91 at the moment so if he uh, goes on to get seven receptions this week he will tie that eight will beat it so I think overall he's had a, an absolutely amazing season and I'll be the first to admit you know maybe six weeks into the season I was starting to think that he was uh, really going to struggle he wasn't going to get back to what he was previously but he's really dominated kind of down the stretch and 
from week 10 or even from week 8 onwards if you look at his yards uh, per, per game he's got 94 yards 94 126 he had a down game then 28 but he's at 91 118 down to 41 124 and last week 154 so it's a, a really dominant spell uh, after a slow start to the season he's my uh, comeback player of the year for fantasy purposes uh, Anthony who have you got in that uh, that category I'm going with DeMarco Murray, uh, just yeah, 702 rushing yards last year with Chip Kelly in Philadelphia. Uh, I think that a lot of people kind of just thought he was done after that, like outside zone read stuff wasn't working for him. Uh, and that system got traded to Tennessee, and then they, they draft Derrick Henry, who was very highly regarded. So I still think yeah. even after the team switch, there was a lot of doubt in him. But he's uh, currently the running back five right now in PPR League. So huge, huge comeback for him. Yeah, definitely. And uh he's uh, going to come up here and mine one of my next ones but a tremendous tremendous uh, bounce back year for him um doug, doug who's yours uh, i would think it has to be for me melvin gordon uh when you look at you know he was the, the chargers trade up to grab him last uh, uh last year's draft in the first round he was supposed to come in and be a workhorse for them um and he really busted no touchdowns at all last season and just really struggled in the run in the receiving game but he comes into the season now granted the Danny Woodhead injury does help in regards to his workload but you know he has over 1,500 yards from scrimmage or something close to that in double digit touchdowns this season uh he has missed the past two games with a hip injury but he is expected to come back this week weekend and hit for over a thousand rushing yards this season and again more, over 10 rushing touchdowns i believe which is a huge turnaround from what we saw from him last season and uh he was drafted uh unlike uh, i think graham is a good uh, good idea because he was basically an undrafted guy for a lot of people but you know nelson was a guy a lot of people picked uh to, to bounce back uh but gordon was picked in i think the 10th or 11th round for most leagues maybe in the 9 to 10 range um for redraft and he has performed i think the top 10 running back this season in both PPR and standard. So he would be my pick. Next up is uh, the bounce back candidate for 2017. And I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. Short and sweet, rather. It's uh, Allen Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, we know how tough his year was last this year. But I think, uh, you know, we'll see a regression back to what we've seen his first two years in the league. And uh, I think I'm just going to leave it with that. Do any use of Allen Robinson as your bounce back? And uh, then I'll let uh, Doug go first with his candidate. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, personally, I don't as long as Blake Bortles is there. <laughs> uh, uh, and that's, that's not to be funny. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm naturally funny, but you know, it, it's, <laughs> you know, um, I just think that Blake Bortles really, you know, he was a guy who threw a lot, made a lot of down, you know, threw a lot deep and got lucky on some of them. Uh, last year uh, but the problem was is he takes a lot of sacks because he doesn't have a good pocket awareness and he also has a lot of problems with his accuracy and that really struggled this season um, I think the other thing is, is that this run game is not going to be solved anytime soon just because of how struggling their offensive line is and just how they have this myriad of running backs and TJ Yeldon and, and uh, Chris Ivory who both have just not lived up to expectations but yeah I just I'm not a big fan of Allen Robinson with Blake I think Al Robinson alone is a terrific wide receiver, but I'm not a big fan of, of him as long as Boyles is there at quarterback. And um, you said uh, yeah when uh, I asked if you ha- – do you have him as your bounce-back candidate, uh, Anthony? 
Uh, he's not mine, but okay. I have uh, I have DeAndre Hopkins. Oh so yeah, he's, and it's like for category. similar, yeah, like totally similar reasons. Like I, I did some work at Rotoviz, basically showing that targets explain uh, somewhere between like 92 and 93 percent of PPR production at the wide receiver position. So I think when you see guys like Hopkins, guys like Robinson, who are you know top 10 in targets in football, uh, but being like outside the top 30 in production, like that's just yeah. Not really a likely outcome. I think there's just a lot of bad variance there for both those guys. Yeah, both those fit into you the, the category. Both those definitely fit into the category for me. And uh, maybe Tom Savage is going to going to roll in and save the day there uh, for the Texans. Uh, but I, I do think both of them are, are prime bounce back candidates for next season. Uh, next one is uh, fantasy draft value 2016, and uh, I'm going to do it quick. And you both mentioned Melvin Gordon and Demarco Murray earlier as the comeback players. Well, I'm putting the two of them in as a joint draft value uh, melvin garden kind of going in that eighth round range and demarco murray going similarly priced i think they definitely uh, as you both pointed out uh, in your arguments for them as comeback players there i think they're they're definitely uh, huge draft values this year um who's who's yours there anthony i'm just gonna let you bounce through it yeah i mean i uh i'm going with someone you talked about before Devonte adams he was like yeah. drafted outside the top 250 he's wide receiver 12 so i think it's pretty straightforward <laughs> think that uh that covers that one Doug. anyone uh you want to add to that yeah i'm gonna go with the wide receiver i'm gonna go with tyrell william with the chargers yeah. uh undrafted for the most part in almost every league when you think about it when they had keon allen and and uh travis benjamin there um but yeah uh, tyrell williams you know he really stepped it up after uh keen Allen went down with injury and the fact that he's been playing through a shoulder injury i think he's in the top 20 for or top 25 for wide receivers and, and um you know, he was an under again a guy who was barely drafted in any redraft league. So that's who my pick would be. Yeah, I agree with you there on that one. And uh, for the next category, he's a, he was an honorable mention for me. It's the best waiver wire pickup, and I, I've I've gone with Adam Thielen. You mentioned earlier Stefan Diggs, and obviously Diggs missed some of the games that Thielen had big weeks in, but uh, he's had a pretty pretty good stretch for somebody who there wasn't a lot expected of heading into the season. Somebody that I picked up for pretty much uh, you know just off the waiver wire in a lot of dynasty leagues, and has proved to be uh, very effective in some of the games that I needed him. Another monster game for him this past week uh, against the Green Bay Packers. And some formats stacking up uh, in around the 40-point mark. So congratulations to you if you started him last week. Um, but he's my best waiver wire pickup of the season. Terrell Williams would have been my uh, my honourable mention. Anthony, is there anyone in particular you've picked up this year that you've uh, really enjoyed having on your roster? Yeah, Jordan Howard uh, was a huge yeah. pickup. And I know that Doug talked about him being a regression yeah. candidate, but he was really good this year, RB9 and in PPR format. So uh, yeah. just, just a huge pickup for your running backs. Yeah. I think he was uh, super solid. And uh, Doug, are you going to go with Williams, or are you going to jump somebody else in there? So I, I, I just because I don't want to be normal, I'm not going to mention Jai. You're not normal. Uh, yeah, I know I'm not. Um, <laughs> but just as a as an extra dig into Matt Jones, I'm going to go with Rob Kelly. Uh, okay. Rob Kelly, you know, he has you know stepped up. He's a guy who I don't even know where the hell he came from. I don't even know if he's from Earth. <laughs> uh, Fat Rob, as they call him, but uh, he stepped it up. Uh, the, le- the second half of the season as their workhorse. And uh, I don't know if he's necessarily putting up the type of numbers Jordan Howard is, but he was a guy that I guess was a little more under the radar just because of his uh, profile. But uh, yeah, he, he came in and he's really stepped it up. Not to starter next year, but he's done really well this season. And uh, I think he's paid dividends like uh, maybe like a Tim Hightower did last season. For yeah. Yeah. I would agree with the Tim Hightower uh, comparison. And when you're looking at somebody, you talked about Jordan Howard, I think there's a 
strong possibility we see the situation you talked about with Howard happen as well uh, in Washington ahead of next year, uh, whether it's draft or free agency. Two more categories to hit, and the next one is the Fantasy Rookie of the Year. Doug touched on him earlier when he talked about the Saints. Mine's is Michael Thomas. Uh, obviously, um, had a, a really, really decent start to the season, and very, very quickly it was uh, evident that Drew Brees trusted him and uh, had some really, really solid games throughout the year. And I think, particularly in dynasty leagues, I think he's going to be too much, too expensive probably to acquire this uh, off season. But somebody, if you got him last year in drafts, you know, probably around that between one hundred six to one hundred ten, depending on what time of the, the year you drafted. Uh, I think he's a huge, huge value for you going forward. And somebody I'm looking to see uh, as as uh, you know the years progress. I think if you look at uh, Branton Cooks and how he plays I think Cooks is going to be that boom boss guy that uh, week to week you don't really know what you're getting but I think you're going to have a solid floor from Thomas and then I think there's obviously the, the potential as well to have those huge boom weeks so he's the type of wide receiver that I, I like to trust uh, rookie of the year for you fantasy wise Anthony oh it's got to be Ezekiel Elliott 1600 oh, yeah. yards yeah. 15 touchdowns rushing like just a total monster ripping it up <laughs> yeah yeah, I think uh, yeah, that's that's pretty self-evident. He's he's been absolutely incredible this year. Just to watch, and I know that offensive line is good, but he does make it look incredibly easy as well. Uh, Doug, your rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I could probably see someone like Jordan Howard or Zeke or Michael Thomas. I'm gonna go with a guy outside the box, and I really wish he didn't get hurt. That's CJ Procise, uh, just because. Uh, and this is all assuming that he played the rest of the season, but when we did see him, he was a beast. He was a lot more along than we thought he was at the running back position. You know, he was a wide receiver convert from, uh, you know, from Notre Dame. And uh, he, he was on a tear before I believe he actually hurt his, his hamstring. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think it was um, scapula maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know, they're, they're connected in a way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I'm going to go outside the box. Yeah, yeah, biology and uh, anatomy. But, um, again, this is a really outside the pick. I don't even know if he counts. But I think that – or I could say Josh Doxon. I don't know. But, uh, no, I would would probably say CJ Procise and uh, suck it, haters. Yeah, Josh Doxon probably played almost as many snaps this year as uh, CJ Procise. So that was an outside-of-the-box one from Doug there. Uh, Next one and last one is fantasy MVP, and I'm going to let you two guys – uh, headed out first and when you go first Anthony since you're the guest and uh, I'll chime in with mine then after uh, I mean it's got to be David Johnson oh, average well, 27 you can, PPR. you can chime in with mine as well <laughs> yeah I mean 27 PPR points a game over 400 points on the season the guy scored 20 touchdowns uh, and he still has a game left to play so I mean I mean he could in theory finish like as a thousand thousand guy yeah. rushing and receiving like just a just a totally sick year yeah, it's, it's been absolutely bonkers, and you know I, I've said in this show pretty much from kind of week five onwards that if I could have one player that I don't have him on any of my rosters that I could have on all my rosters, and that would be David Johnson. He's had a, a terrific, terrific year. Doug, have you got somebody different than David Johnson? I mean, it's hard to go against David Johnson. You know, the, the thing that fantasy owners love the most is consistency, and he has provided that. You know, he, he has given consistent points all season as a number one running back. Um, I would just, to, to go with somebody different, considering what he's done since he's come back from suspension and that he had a little bit lower of a, a draft price, and that's uh, Le'Veon Bell. He's been, I, I would say, almost the equivalent of what David Johnson has done, but just in three game, three less games uh, because of his suspension. So uh, he's a guy that, you know, he has put up monstrous receiving numbers 
especially when you know the the Steelers have struggled to have anybody else besides really Antonio Brown to throw to this season. Uh, so I think he would be my my pick if I can't go with David Johnson. Yeah, he was my honorable mention. I'm just looking down through his game logs here for the season, and uh, outside of there's one week uh, that he's played since he came back in week four that he had uh, less than 100 yards combined from scrimmage, and there's some of these totals just looking through them that are absolutely ridiculous. And week 14. 236 rushing yards and 62 receiving yards and three touchdowns as well on the ground so there's been just some phenomenal play and I think if uh, you know Zeke Elliott wasn't uh, in this year's group of running backs and if we didn't have David Johnson uh, I can't imagine how hype we'd be getting on Le'Veon Bell because although he's played uh, you know four less games than those guys he's kind of comparable three less games sorry he's comparable in a lot of the the numbers and if he had played a 16 game season uh, you know, he'd be on a historical pace for uh, what he's achieved this year. So the two of those guys have been absolutely incredible. But mine's was David Johnson. And my honourable mention was Le'Veon Bell. So you two guys covered that for me. Uh, obviously, that comes to the end of the, the categories and the awards. And um, it's a bit different show this week, but hopefully you've enjoyed listening in. As I mentioned earlier, me and Doug will be back next week. We'll be previewing uh, the playoffs um, just from you know a fan, or, uh, from a NFL perspective. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that because... Uh, kind of sometimes the fantasy can take a grind on you throughout the season and uh, I'm looking forward to just looking at you know a certain amount of games each week and uh, breaking them down for you the listeners so hopefully you're going to enjoy that too and uh, hopefully uh, as a Packers fan they go ahead and win the division this week against the Lions it's been a it's been a nice run after a, a tough start to the season you can find Anthony on Twitter it's at Amixta it's A-M-I-C STA and uh, some great work that uh, he's doing, particularly at Rotoviz, and I'm a big fan as well of the the two QBs website. Um, anything that you want to give a, a shout out to a plug to Anthony while uh, we continue to wrap up the show? Yeah, I mean, uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, for the listeners, like just keep checking out all the awesome stuff at Rotoviz. We have a lot of stuff coming out right now on bowl prospects, trying to get an early head start on your rookie draft. So uh, a lot of good stuff already out on that. Keep, keep an eye out. Yeah, we've been we've had a lot of roto. It's pretty much been out of the last six weeks. We've had four rotoviz guys on. You mentioned Josh Hermsmeyer earlier. We had him on. We've just been rolling through. Just there's such great content on there. Great podcast as well coming out from them. So definitely do check that out and uh, check out the RV Repo as well. That's a podcast that's co-hosted by Anthony himself. Doug is on Twitter. It's at Demur NFL. You can wish him. Uh, you know, a quick return to health, as uh, you can hear on this show today. His, his voice is definitely uh, having a struggle through, and I uh, really appreciate Doug obviously taking the time out, and uh, hopefully you're back on your feet and uh, feeling like you're, you're all self, Doug, in no time. And uh, anything, I guess I'll, I'll let you finish up. Anything that you want to uh, talk Patriots-wise or that you've coming out this week, or are you just uh, taking it uh, to get recovered? Yeah, there's nothing special besides my weekly articles that are going to be coming out. I, I unfortunately am... Just recovering, so uh, yeah, that uh, check, you know, check uh, out Twitter for all those, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's at Doug Moore NFL. I'm on Twitter at, or, at, at D Moore NFL. Sorry about that, Doug. Your voice is obviously quick enough to get that started. D Moore NFL, and uh, I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Stay tuned to that this week as well. Thanks as always for listening. Until we're back next week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.